Good morning, everyone. Today is October 4th, and it is 8.30. Not too bad. Still making my beverage here, my London Fog. Not a lot on my mind today. I was kind of thinking about... Sometimes I make notes. Sometimes I write down something that I mean to talk about and don't really other times something's like burning in my mind that I'm going to talk about and today I'm feeling somewhat well empty minded in a nice way not in a brain dead way I don't know if that makes sense but um I finished the copy edits on the Arrows of the Heart and the front and back matter and sent those off to the formatter. Um, Corrine helped me with a whole lot of that. And, uh, oh, here it is. I was looking for the lid to my teapot. Can't be missing the lid to the teapot. Oh, there we go. Uh, so we were sort of in a flurry. It took me, didn't actually take me all that long. It took me about, I've been tracking, as I mentioned, the time it takes me to do things. And so it took me something like, um, oh, five hours overall, but only three hours of actual work. I try to track in between, uh, you know, like when I start and stop, but then also when I'm actually working on something. So, most of the edits were near the beginning, so it picks up speed as it goes. I often wonder if that was uh, you know if if it's if it's me or them, you know, like do I produce fewer errors as it goes on, or does the copy editor get more tired as she goes on um Inevitably, people have many corrections on the first few pages, which can be daunting. I should start, like, not start with the opening pages when I do corrections because there's generally so many that it can get kind of depressing. Okay, first sip. Mmm, delicious. Well done, Jeffy. <laughs> um, depressing is the wrong word. It can get aggravating. And I was messaging with uh, my friend Kelly Robson, who's usually in the Sufwa Slack chat. So that's why she's often the one that I pop in. So I was sort of giving her a, a running commentary of my grumbliness as I went through the copy edits. And I said to her, why are copy edits so aggravating? And she said, because they're niggly AF. I, I was, that was my uh, <laughs> attempt to make this... Uh, a PG-13 broadcast, but, you know, why start now? Uh, because they're niggly as fuck, um, which they are. I mean, there's, and that's their job, you know, and it's obviously I paid this gal to do this to me, but there's, um, their, their lens is so tight that they miss bigger picture stuff. So, and they're, and they're so literal that that they tend to be humorless. So if you make jokes, especially if you have like jokes in conversation between the characters, 
and they're bantering back and forth. And, I mean, spoiler alert, there's a fair amount of banter in the Arrows of the Heart. Uh, because Zir is mischievous, and Karin's pretty good at giving back. So they sort of develop this, you know, they have kind of running jokes. Uh... And I think I could share one with you. I don't think it'll hurt anything. Close your ears if you don't want to be spoiler. But, I mean, this is an, a- an actual plot spoiler. But there's a point at which she calls him irreverent, which amuses him because <laughs> Zir is the epitome of irreverent. And it's not an insult to him at all. And uh, at one point he says to her, he says, uh, be careful because that makes me want to do irreverent things to you. Which is funny, right? I thought it was funny. I amused myself, if nothing else. We have a gorgeous blue morning glory this morning. I'm going to try to take a picture of it. I'm getting so good at taking pictures while I'm talking, don't you think? I think so. Let's see if I can do it without putting my own shadow over it, though. There we go. Let's see how that works. Very pretty. I just love those morning glories. I know I say that a lot, but these giant sky blue ones are particularly beautiful. All right, making sure I'm still recording. And I am. Yay. Well, Jackson. Oh, now he just totally jailbroke. There he is. Let's see if we can catch him. I'll go after him, see if I can keep talking. So anyway, you know... The copy editor picked on that. She said, well, is this really the word you mean? You know, that he wants to do irreverent things to her. And it's like, well... Of course, I don't... That's one of the things, is you don't have to have a conversation with your copy editor. Jackson's running off down the road here. I'm walking behind. Oh, the heavy equipment was out here again just a little bit ago, smoothing out this big dip in the dirt road which, of course, got all messed up from the, the big rains. What are you doing? What are you doing, Jackie boy? Yeah. He's going to go in that culvert. We'll just wait for him to come out again. He usually gets bored pretty quick. I always hope there isn't something in the culvert. But what can you do? Other than, like, keeping your cat on a tighter harness. Oh, wow. This mud from this culvert is deep. Come on, Jackson. So anyway, she puts the focus on this, you know, like... You don't have to... Oh, that's why I say You don't have to reply back to your copy editor. You just make the choice. And it's good that she calls those things out. That she says, okay. Uh, you know, it gives me the opportunity. Because sometimes I do use the wrong word. Um... But it's it's just an irritating process. It's an aggravating process because you keep uh, going over these very niggly things. I'm looking at what they've been doing over here. So anyway, copy edits are done. And I'm feeling a little bit... Um, whenever I finish a book... It's funny, it's like I send a big piece of myself with it, and I know I talk about this a lot, but I'm going to put you guys on pause here.
well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you listen. I'm going <laughs> to bend down and see if I can see what this cat is doing. I don't see him now. I'll wait for him to come out. Come on, Jackson. Yeah, but it's like, um, yeah, sun just takes a whole bunch of my energy with it, uh, even though we're just sending it off to the formatter. And I'm not entirely done, you know, because I've got to look at it one more time. Here he is, Jackson. <laughs> he went back in, came out to make sure I was still here. My tea is getting cold on the porch. He does not care about my tea. As soon as I turned my back, he had stretched out that leash. If he stretches it out just right, he can pop that harness off like he did yesterday. So the other thing that I have to do when I prepare a book for self-publishing like that is to uh, get the front and back matter ready. And what that means is the stuff that's at the beginning and end of the book that isn't the actual story itself. Um, Oh, he went through the culvert and came out the other end and surprised me. Quit galloping past me. He thinks he's very clever. Now we're going down the road again. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Trotting down the road. I see you. So the front matter... Well, back matter is easy because back matter is like my bio. I update my bio and links to my backlist to the books I've already published. Jackson, come here. He's very frisky this morning. He was frisky yesterday, too, until he settled down for a nap. Okay. I would get a chance. Ah! Captured. He saw some bluebirds and got excited. Oh, and his tongue is so muddy, you guys. <laughs> yeah, so now he's muting my arm and leaning his head against me. In great big gloves. Except, yes the most fun game ever, getting to chase him down the road, especially live on podcast, he knows he's the star. Mm-hmm. Oh, I the oh, microphone here. Sorry, you guys. Oh, hey. All right. <laughs> Sorry if the cat capture, like, Totally messed up the sound there. (coughs) Now he's got dust and pollen on him, too. All right. Well, so anyway, back matter. (laughs) It's like cat drama plus back matter. This is what Jeffy's first cup of coffee is all about. Front matter takes more work because it's credits, which is easy, and copyright, which is boilerplate. But, um... Then there's also dedication and acknowledgments. And if I'm smart, a lot of times I'll keep a running document of acknowledgments going as I'm working on a book. Uh, Like I already have acknowledgments for Orchid Throne. So every time someone helps me, suggest something or read something or helps me figure something out I toss that in the acknowledgements document and then when I go to do the front matter either for a self-published book 
Okay, hang on, I gotta disengage him here. All right, good boy. Either for a self-published book or for uh, for my editor. It always feels like I'm doing it like at the last minute, which, I don't know, nature of the beast. If I were smart, I'd do it ahead of time, but I don't. <laughs> That would be the next phase of my evolution, my personal evolution. I should consider doing that. Uh, so I went yesterday to pull my running acknowledgments document for arrows, and I didn't have one. I have one for Orchid Throne, which, you know, I don't have to do that for months and months. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know. If I were smart, I would go ahead and do it now, but I, <laughs> I'm not going to because <laughs> it's not due yet. Um, so I had to decide how to dedicate the book and who to do the acknowledgments to. And I begin to understand why some authors always have the exact same dedication and acknowledgments. Uh, I used to, back in the day when I read absolutely everything that Anne Rice wrote, I would pore over her dedications and acknowledgments, which changed very, very little. And I would note each minute change, but you know, she'd always um, dedicate it to Stan Rice, to her husband. And I don't know, you know, it's like, well, maybe, maybe it's my enthusiasm as a person, but I always spend a fair amount of time on my dedication acknowledgments. If I were clever, I would have kept a running list of who I've dedicated to and who I haven't. Like, with all things, like awards, acceptance speeches, and all things of that ilk, you worry most that you'll forget someone who expected to be acknowledged. Uh, that's the worst. I mean, you know that you're always going to forget people, but hopefully you grab the people that at least are going to look. Did you hear that mournful kitty cry? That was the cry of a cat who has been put inside and wants to come out again. What do you think? Should we give him a second chance? No! No! Oh, you guys are mean! He's not a bad cat. He just wants to be free. <laughs> and once he's had a jailbreak, generally, he'll settle down because he got to express his freedom and now he can be tame cat again who lies in the weeds and watches for birds and so we'll harness him up again here so there would be a restfulness to always having the exact same dedication and acknowledgements but it also feels lazy to me and I'm not gonna probably not gonna do that although just watch. I'll start doing it because it certainly would be easier. It's interesting, though, to see for me to look back because I was looking at some of other books and just to see who I had dedicated and acknowledged before. And it does change dramatically over time, you know, like who I'm working with. And you know, one thing I noticed about the Arrows of the Heart so I went back to my acknowledgments for The Shift of the Tide, the previous novel in the series, and looked at what I said there. And I 
put the shift to the tide through a lot of different people, a lot of different crit and feedback at different levels. And I remember there were things that I had trouble with, with the shift of the tide. I had a hard time, um, I don't know, clarifying some aspects of the overall arc. And the arrows of the heart was a much more straightforward write for me. You know, and it's funny how we talk about this all the time. Some books are just like that. Some books write more easily than others. And there's no correlation to how well they're received. You know, it's not like the books that write easily become instant bestsellers or that they're worse than the ones that you labored over. Um, it's a funny thing. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I couldn't, I don't know if I could tell you exactly why, and now I'm thinking about it, why the shift of the tide was, posed more trouble for me. Um, you know, some of it might be being in the head of that particular character. A couple of, and, and is it, well, let me follow that thought. Um, Zinda is much more, uh, twisty-minded character than Karin is. So there is that. Uh, some gals on Facebook were commenting on my post. They're from my local chapter, and they were commenting on my podcast from yesterday and what I had said about first and third person. And one was saying about that she thought that writers had a natural voice, that they were natural for one POV or the other. And I don't know that I believe that. I commented that I don't believe that. Um, I don't think that I could ask my crypt partners. It would be interesting to, for you guys, um, if any of you have opinions, if you think that my voice sounds more natural in first or third person. But I think that it's, I think that's a myth that writers trade around. Um, what was something else that one commented? I can't think of it now that she said something like, um, oh, that, that the story will let you know what point of view it wants to be told in. Um, yeah, and I don't know how I feel about that either. I have to contemplate that. I think that, yeah, yeah, for all that I am an intuitive writer and I believe in following the story, I'm not sure I believe that, that you let the story tell you how it wants to be told. Um, I think that's mixing up a few things. I think you want your intuition to let you know how a story will best be told. And I think sometimes it's a conscious choice. I think you make a conscious decision for various reasons. Um, like The Orchid Throne, um, my editor suggested that I had originally done it in first-person heroine point of view and third-person hero point of view. And she suggested that I make his first-person as well. And I talked about that some before earlier this summer, I think. Um, 
because switching to that first person point of view, that's a good example of it, um, made a huge, huge difference. And it was, a, I had to basically just rewrite his chapters. I couldn't just change pronouns. Clearly that annoys me, right? I'm just going to keep complaining about that. Um, but she had suggested that I do that because it would, um, because we knew so much about her mind that he felt, um, I can't think of the word that she used, but that he seemed much more obscure by comparison, that you felt like you knew her really well and him just not that much. And it definitely changed things. It definitely opened it up to do that. But that was a conscious craft choice. That wasn't the story saying how it wanted to be told. And I think we can mix those up as writers sometimes. We forget that a lot of even if the story itself is intuitive, a lot of the craft choices still should be conscious and should be thought out. All right, so that's my rambly podcast for today. Apologizing for the cat wrangling because Jackson's not sorry. Uh, I have the microphone pinned to my chest, so when I picked him up, that was why it, it probably made all sorts of big moofly noises. Yeah. Uh, but it was the triumphant cat capture. So, all right. You all have a fantastic day. I hope it's a lovely one. Thank you for sharing my first cup of London fog with me. And I will talk to you all again tomorrow. Bye-bye.